listening to Dice and Slice, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to Dice and Slice. I'm Brandon. I'm Chad. And I'm Ian. And we're going to be talking to you guys for the next uh, 50 years or so. And I am so sorry about that. <laughs> about Pathfinder 2nd Edition, currently the Pathfinder playtest. Um, but before we get into it, we're going to talk a little bit about who we are. So I'm Brandon. I've been a gamer for ever. Played Mario before. I could probably talk. I was given the fake controller, you know, and mm-hmm. you think you're playing Mario all the time. So I was into that. Um, heavy into, into video games. I've only recently tapped into the tabletop market, probably in the last five years or so. Um, I got a buddy who started working at Wizards of the Coast who started providing me all the D&D books. Um, and that really got me into it. And yes, we're going to be talking about D&D on a Pathfinder podcast. Because we are going to be relating a lot of our information from a D&D 5e background. Boom. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> right. Um, and so sitting to the left of me is Ian. And uh, I met him when we had a 4th of July party. We did. Yep. With the HOA group. Yep. Yep. That was great. Yep. We were... Uh, my wife and I, and we were sitting there thinking, I hope we make some friends. And then uh, I think you were sitting there with your wife wondering the same thing. We and... were the same. Yeah, both <laughs> of us new to the area. Yeah, and boom. We became uh, best couple buddies coming forward. So Indeed. And then Chad, um, I really hate you. No, I'm just kidding. Thank God. Kidding. You feel the same. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, Chad, I met in a D&D group that we're currently playing, still in, a 5e game. And uh, I just thought you were the coolest guy ever. And I got a big man, got a man crush on you, and then, boom, you're in the podcast. So It was really his way of working me in. It's still a process. But... So that's that's who I am, and that's who I've met. So, Ian, maybe, uh, what's your history with games and tabletop games and so forth um yep so from a young age i've been into my video games uh, started out playing the sonics back on the old sega games uh, systems yeah they were great um then probably my favorite games growing up were in the final fantasy series uh, i also enjoyed a few racing games and then eventually I started getting into PC gaming and really enjoyed online gaming. So Command and Conquer Generals was oh, yeah. one of my uh, all-time favorites. And then That's fine. more recently moved on to um, League of Legends. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, hey, it's I'm, a legitimate game. I'm just kidding for all yeah. the League of Legends. I'm terrible at PvP, <laughs> but... Uh. <laughs> No, he, Ian knows I'm terrible, but I do <laughs> yeah, attempt had, to play with We've you. had some good games <laughs> playing yeah. on that. Sometimes. I just let you yeah. win for me, and I just stand back and good plan. Eat, let you do all the work. So. Um, yep, relatively new to tabletop games. Um, started about six months ago joining uh, the game that Brandon hosted. And so learning my way through it, but really enjoying it so far. Awesome. 
Yep. Sorry for roping you in there. I just knew. I just I'd try to pick up those people that would just be excellent uh, tabletop players and then never let you go. So I well, didn't know about that. But <laughs> I tried. You and, went wrong with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and that leads to Chad. Oh, shoot. shoot, I meant shoot. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a PG. First podcast. curse on the podcast. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Um, my first experience with video games, besides like Pong and Tetris on the computer, was probably Bomberman on Game Boy Color. Oh, I, like I fell in love with that, and then... Pretty quickly, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Classic. Uh, led into like City of Heroes and Villains on the computer. Oh, man. I, Lo- that I game. was I love that game so much. I wish it had never gone. Cut. But uh, as far as tabletop, uh, my first game was actually Brandon's game uh, that I joined uh, like probably five months ago now, maybe. Uh and yep, I'm pretty jealous of Brandon's character. He's, he's pretty badass in that game. I suck in most games. Uh, <laughs> a plus ten to hit, and you still don't. Yeah, I don't I know never, how that I, works. I can't shoot. <laughs> I can't shoot. All right. That's no, okay. Um, I'm a spray and pray kind of guy, and that's that's pretty much what I do in this game too. It's been working out well for you. Though. <laughs> I get the big hits, not the many hits. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Now that um, you kind of know who we are, uh, this is season one, episode one of Dyson Slice. And today we're going to be talking about the main reason of why we're here, which is what are the pros of Pathfinder 2? Why would we be making a podcast about Pathfinder 2nd Edition when it's not even released yet? And why would we play that instead of the highly popular uh, D&D 5e, or even Pathfinder 1st Edition? Well, it's probably because it is so new. I mean, everybody knows about D&D. Why teach them about D&D when so many other people are already teaching them? That's a good point. When we, we've talked and gone back and forth about subjects, and, and uh, it feels like there's so much on the market already for 5e, and I think Pathfinder, especially 2nd Edition, is really untouched. And it's going to be hopefully really big next year when it's fully released in August. And so we wanted to help people kind of spread the word. And uh, that kind of leads into it of the core subject today is why Pathfinder 2? What does it have over 5e? And we're going to go through some of the bullet points. And some of these things we're going to talk about later in future podcasts more in depth. But I just wanted to give a a quick overview of the things that kind of appealed to me um and then i think you guys will talk about maybe some things about from a player perspective but i'm really coming more from a a gm perspective um and that starts with the basics skill checks so as you guys know from our game of dnd 5e uh everybody wanted to do everything so everybody wanted to track everybody wanted to um perceive the environment everybody wanted to roll for everything there really wasn't anything gating you to stop that so i like that a lot of the skill checks in pathfinder second edition requires ranks so to disable a certain type of trap might require a master proficiency in uh, the thievery school or something like that so that's one of the major things that 
I personally like. Now, that maybe mean that a player can't roll as much, which maybe that means it's not fun, but um, I think it's easier to design encounters and environments that way. Uh, secondly is Gold Sinks. So, when we had our 5e game, I think you guys were pretty rich, right? I mean, how are you guys doing on money? You guys are level yeah, uh, 3, 4? Level 3. Yeah. We just got enough money to get our big thick armor. A big the plate armor? Plate armor. Yeah. And we were so excited. Yep. And, we, uh... and then we switched <laughs> to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Yeah. Which now... Holy cow! That <laughs> gold, in that gold, yeah. that gold converts incredibly highly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's correct. So I did not downgrade their gold because the main currency in Pathfinder Second Edition is silver, uh, at a ten to one ratio to gold, and uh, gold actually has uses, and that's what I really like about Pathfinder Second Edition. We, can, you can upgrade your armor, you can upgrade your weapons. You can buy uh, runes, you can buy uh, pets and horses, and you can get them upgrading. And I know you can buy pets, uh, some of the pets and horses in, in D&D as well, but um, I really like the weapon upgrade system. It goes expert, uh, master, legendary. Um, it gives you reasons to do things. You, there's downtime activities. You can craft things that cost money um, and so forth. So I really do like that aspect of the gold sinks because with 5e it really comes down to the gm of what am i going to have you guys use this money on and why is it going to be a keep because everybody wants a keep uh, or a castle and it becomes a little uh cliche so uh, that's one of the things i liked about that so one of the things I've been really enjoying in the game so far is um, the different actions per turn that you can take. So perhaps being my first round of Dungeons & Dragons or tabletop game that I'd ever played, I'm not sure I designed my cleric very well, but I soon found myself stuck performing pretty much one cantrip over and over again in every fight. Sacred Flame! Sacred Flame over <laughs> and over. pretty cool. <laughs> it's a cool spell. It's a very cool spell, and I do miss it from the one game we've played without it. Right. Um, and then repetitive. being a low level, having minimal spell slots, I would occasionally get to throw out a few heals or maybe one guiding bolt, and that was it. Back to throwing that one cantrip over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. So far in... Pathfinder, it's given me access to a lot more spells and a lot more variety and perhaps the experience we've now been able to build in my more diversified character at the same time. I'm able to cast a couple of damage spells. Um, I still have several... You have a lot of healing spells I do. too, which I, which I thought was interesting because the channel energy, I think it was called. Yeah, channel energy. I was trying to remember the name of what that spell section is. Yes, my channel energy spells. At the moment, I get four hill spells at the maximum level um, that I can use um, each day. So I can cast lots of other spells or attack, and I've still got lots of variety to do. So that's been a, a really cool aspect that I've enjoyed. That was one of the things I noticed just from GMing that last session is when we were playing 5e, I pretty much knew your turn was going to be move within range and cast Sacred Flame. Unless somebody needed a heal. Yeah. Whereas this last one, you were bouncing back and forth between 
uh, healing uh, with just your spell slots, healing with your channel energy. Uh, you were doing, I think, some melee attacks mm-hmm. with your sword and uh, sword and yeah, shield. My stuff, your staff, yeah, that's right. stuff. Which yeah. I don't think you'd ever really. I think you maybe did like one melee attack back in in the D and D session. Yeah, yeah, did you? And ever? then. Like, I'll pretty much all spells. I almost never did a melee. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I used to have a war, I started with a warhammer and I did a few melee attacks with that. That's right. I got the staff. I, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I'm done. 1d4 damage. <laughs> I gave up and used a sacred flame. Right. Right. So I have enjoyed that. We don't really have any fighters on our team. Um, but I think you, Chad, as your paladin, could. I'm somewhat close. Yeah, you're very close. Yes, I mean, now we get... I don't really have, as a paladin, any spells. I have a power that I can kind of use to right. heal people real quick or buff my sword. Your lay on hands. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty much all attack, attack, attack. That's what my guy does. And then I miss, I miss, I miss, and then I go to the next turn. <laughs> <laughs> but... That Which is probably a, a chat issue, not a system issue. Yes. Um, um, but yeah. And with, I don't know if we should mention this now, but with the attacking three-turn system, mm-hmm. you get a slight penalty as you attack more and more. Yeah, do talk about that. Which uh, gives kind of, uh, it, it, it lets you make as many of those attacks as you want, but it also tells you, hey, maybe you don't want to do that third attack. Maybe you want to cast a spell. Maybe you want to go over here, run over here and protect your friend. Right. Who knows? Maybe you want to raise your shield and block from that attack that's about to kill you, <laughs> but you're like, nah, I want to attack. And miss. And, and that's player choice, right? Yeah. You have to weigh the pros and cons of, of what you want to do. And I like, um, I mean, once again, as the fighter, you could use a sudden charge to dash into combat. Um, raise your shield. You could intimidate and glare somebody. I mean, there's lots of things you can do besides just I swing my sword. And if you want to do that, that's still totally valid, but you're going to have a negative 5 penalty and you're going to have a negative 10 penalty on the third time you try to do that. Um, so yeah, I think that was a, a, an interesting thing. And then also the scaling powers... I really like, and I think, Ian, you had that with your heal spell. So, several of my spells, I can choose how many actions that I attribute to them. Um, So it may be a semantic casting spell, and then I can add a verbal component, and that will change the power. So maybe I get to add an extra dice. Um, With my healing spell, it goes from being a touch to I can cast it from range. And if I cast free actions for it then I can do an area heal so yeah there's some neat things you can do with uh-huh. putting more actions into the same spell to really yeah and I would I would say if they do anything they should have more of that I wish there was even more skills and more spells that let you do that like mm-hmm. yeah, a basic thing at one action but if you do two or three actions it increases I think that adds a lot of flavor to the spells but you could probably even go into basic actions too, not even spells. Yeah, but I think I had a chance for one of those, but I kind of passed it up for a different feat. Um, gotcha. See, so they are out there because yeah, yeah, I've seen heal and it was I, a healing power. Was it another yeah. healing one? So you, I think, like you said, it, you can do the one skill and it does a heal. 
another action use it becomes kind of a range heal and the third action it becomes an area heal yeah but for a little bit less healing yeah and a few of my damage spells have the same same attribute so magic missile i can choose how many missiles i send okay so essentially adding an extra dice of damage per action that i cast so i like it lets you fine tune what you want to do for the applicable situation it's kind of neat yeah yeah so I, I really do and that has been just from what i've read on the forums as well that's been the biggest thing people have liked is the three action system uh, especially when you start using it for other things besides attacking three times because that negative 10 on your third attack is quite the quite the penalty you can always hope for that crit but it's uh it's pretty hard to hit on that third one, unless you're fighting little things. Talking of crit, I think that was uh, one of my favorite parts of the system as well that's changed. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon, I don't know if you wanted to, to go over that. You explained it to us quite well. <laughs> well, I love this part too. Yeah. And I'm glad you guys were, I'm glad you guys ended up liking it because I wasn't sure. So how the crit system works now is it's not just a 20 and it's not just a 1. It's if you are 10 above or below the target number, you critically succeed or critically fail. Um, So that makes it really neat. So if you do get a high roll and somebody has an AC of 12 and you get a 23, um, then that means you crit them. You're over 10, so you do your double damage. And I think we even kind of added some flavor and did some fun things when you, Chad, critically failed. Oh, Didn't something critically fail to happen to your sword? You oh, know? yeah. my I missed attacking a... Um, shoot, I forget what the monster was, it was called. like a ghoul or something. Yeah, yeah. an owl ghoul, I think. Uh, and when I, when I critically failed on that to, to attack... I, my sword embedded itself into the nearby wall, mm-hmm. brick wall, and I had to then spend an extra turn, an action, to Interact remove my out. sword from the wall, which was my last action, and I was like, grrr, in front of him, because I couldn't do anything. You know, and that's probably just me being a dick, but no, that, I think that's a good you idea, referenced, honestly. I think you're the one that was like, oh, wow, I think that's a critical fail, and yeah. I was like... Oh, hold on. Yeah, his AC is it? Yeah, you're right. That is a critically fail. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess with you a little bit no, because I, of that. <laughs> I honestly, I enjoy those um, horrible mess ups because they're kind of fun. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah, having those more often is definitely an interesting also, and right. You don't have <laughs> to, to just game. rely on that twenty to have a, a cool moment yep. or the oral one. It so. also still made me feel really cool because I was strong enough to embed my sword in a brick wall. Yes, yeah, like King Alpha <laughs> pulling it back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. so cool. You were you were very. Cool. I missed, but I'm so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I also like speaking of all these rules and and I know how things right now. There's a, a rata that keeps changing and updating the system. Um, I do like. And this isn't something you guys really experienced with Pathfinder 1, but unlike D&D, all the rules for Paizo products are available free online. Mm-hmm. So every book, almost every book that isn't lore-based, um, that is rules-based, will eventually be put out online for free. So the D&D, 
there are some uh, sites out there that aren't very uh, legal that have things posted, but by default, only the core uh, SRD is released for 5e online. Uh, so anything specific you have to buy the books for, whereas in Pathfinder, everything is going to be eventually out output for everyone to see. So nice. I really do like that aspect of it. Okay, so character customization. So one of the more interesting things about Pathfinder is uh, instead of some of the breakdowns of class paths that you can take in D&D, uh, Pathfinder instead gives you at each level, or some alternating levels, but most levels they give you feats that you can choose. And some of those feats are going to be class feats that you choose for your certain class. Um, some of them will be general feats, and occasionally you'll get that on a random level, which will be explained in the books. Uh, some of them are unlocked with your skills that you use. Uh, the higher your skill is, the more of these that you can unlock and use for yourself. Uh, and then there's... Uh, skill phases, skill phases. Uh, there's also... It's not exactly a feat, but there's also class features. Uh, stuff like, for my paladin, for example, gets a, a uh, sort, an ally. Uh, for my paladin... Uh, I chose a blade ally, which gives it, uh, I can enchant it with my own blade, uh, a certain enchantment out of four each morning. And it gives it a special effect uh, against enemies. Uh, but as far as general skills, uh, you could go into, let's see, it's more about movement. And uh, they have things like even like the armor value. Like, mm -hmm. if you're not proficient, there's one, I don't remember what it's called, armor something, but it basically says, if you're not proficient with light armor, you now are. Mm -hmm. If you're not proficient with medium armor, now you are. So you can take that multiple times. So, theoretically, you could have a wizard in heavy armor casting. But that, but that, a major that's battle be, cleric or something. Exactly. Yeah. Well, not cleric. Major battle wizard. Right. Right. Uh... And that there's a feat tax to that. You're going to mm -hmm. have to utilize things that could have maybe made you stronger, but it also increases your armor. So in the first edition, there was spell failure. So you'd actually have to calculate, okay, based off how many pieces of armor I have, I have a 35% chance to fail my spells. So every time you cast a spell on armor, you'd have to roll your spell failure and see if it failed or not. And this one, there hasn't been anything like that released yet at least in the playtest rules. It's, um, are you proficient in the armor? Yes or no, you can wear it. So now I think the wizards and the sorcerers, I don't think they start proficient in, in any armor, but they can take that general skill feat and get that, which that type of option is a little bit more limited in, in D and D. You can take the optional, uh, feat, system mm -hmm. in D and D and I think there is a skill that makes you proficient in it. But um it's you know, every four levels I think instead. So it's a lot uh, a lot harder to, to customize your guys that way. So and there actually is another set of feats I forgot about and that's the multi classing feats. Uh, yes, if you decide yeah. that maybe like for my paladin I thought for a while maybe I'd like to multi class into sorcerer. Um you have to go 
a certain amount of levels with the Paladin, and then at that point you can unlock multi-classing feats, which allow you to dip in to the Sorcerer, or another class that you might choose. Um, there are certain laid out ones in the book, and I believe if you want other options, you probably have to just talk to your GM. Yeah, and I think right now at least, and this might change by the time this is out there and down the road, but there is a separate multi-class document yes. that Paizo released oh. that has, I think, all the classes. And, and yeah, so they made them, they're called dedication feats. And you can only have, you have to take at least, I think, two or three yeah. in a certain one before you can take another one. So you can't at one level be like, I'm a rogue, and then next level, I'm also a wizard, and a cleric, and a sorcerer. You have to actually you rank up. You them all, guys. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, and you're losing cool things by doing it. So. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. The Pokemon Master class yes. is going to be released. <laughs> Uh, so another thing as a GM that, um, I wasn't sure I liked at first, I'm still not sure, is the secret checks. So what those are, are, uh, as you guys experienced, um, knowledge rolls, mm -hmm. uh, stealth rolls. They are things where in the past with other editions, if I say, hey, make a knowledge roll and you roll a one, you know Wow. Okay. Apparently, I know nothing about this, and that you know that. less than nothing yeah. about this. Yeah, you've yeah. actually forgotten stuff in yeah. that very turn, and then that causes you to role play a certain way because you're like, okay, well, I uh, apparently suck at this, and I have no idea. But in this edition, a knowledge roll is actually rolled by the GM. So if the GM rolls a one, that would be a critical failure. They would actually tell you information, but it would be incorrect information. But you, as the hmm. player. I have no idea. It. So you as the player would go, oh, the GM just told me uh, that all, all goblins love pops uh, babies. And so you would... They don't? They, yeah, they, they don't. They, they like to eat babies. But oh, I don't think okay. They, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. I thought that was, that was Pretty going. sure they like to eat <laughs> babies. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> goblins. But uh, you as the player would have to... Would probably be like, okay, well, I probably rolled. The likelihood of me rolling a critical fail is really low, so I'm going to assume I'm correct. So I do like that aspect of it. I don't like that that gives another the GM another thing yet to have to do. Um, and it takes away a roll for a player, because I think rolling is inherently fun yeah. just to be part of it. Um, but I understand why it's made secret. And that could probably be something you just house rule out the secret rules if you really hate that, but um, we're giving that, it a shot for right now. That was actually a, a little thing I hadn't thought of before, because rolling actually is kind of fun for the players. I, I've i even noticed that I, I downloaded an app for rolling dice yeah. on my phone, just because, oh man, I'm going to have to roll like five dice in this. I don't want to count all that up. Let me just do it up quick. Boom! Oh yeah, I got all this damage. And it calculates it for you. That right? wasn't fun. Yeah, or I didn't get to hear all the clack on the table. <laughs> the clicking is fun, and then you yelling, "Gosh dang it!" When you see all the ones and <laughs> when twos, roll five ones. Right? Why did I do that? And that's fun for everybody else. So I do agree. Uh, I mean, Ian, what's your thoughts on secret roles versus player roles? Uh, I think I quite like the concept so far. Um, I think having the player roles, you can kind of cheat the system, right? So yeah. 
you know you roll badly and as best you try to role play the game you right. start you know that you've been given false information or mm-hmm. good information based right. on what you rolled so I like that it could potentially push you and we'll have to see how it plays out but being led astray with some misinformation could I, I be interesting like so mm-hmm. I, I think it's an interesting concept because yeah there is a lot of times where I'm like I rolled terribly I know what's going on here yeah. but Right. Man, but you, but I you play have to play dumb. I gotta yeah. play so dumb. Yeah, but I know, Brandon, you yeah. don't even try. <laughs> yeah. But with this, yeah, no, I won't know anything about it, and you just tell right. me just what like, I'm supposed to know. This is what happened, right? Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, so that I think that is a, a neat thing, and at least it's not all the rules. It's not like we're taking all the way. It's really just knowledge based things. Mm-hmm. I think stealth checks are are. Um, that way secret as well but it's limited and i understand why they limited it on the ones they did so um i think as you guys noticed too is starting health did you guys notice a difference between now granted i think we started level three or four so we weren't exactly newbies but your guys's health i think was quite a bit more than what it was in 5e? So here's the thing. In D&D, when, you, when you're calculating your health, you're rolling dice to figure out how high your max health is going to be each level. If you don't use point by. Yes. Uh-huh. But in Pathfinder, you're given a set amount of health each level. Right. Uh, and so in D&D, strangely enough, while I am terrible at rolling dice... How did you actually have I lot? rolled like tens almost every time for my health. So I was I was getting max health every single level. So my so health actually was actually pretty close. Oh. Like not it's not it's still a little bit higher in Pathfinder. Right. But I was pretty close in D D. That's impressive. What about what about your guy? Oh yeah, complete opposite. Yeah, my health <laughs> my health jumped up a substantial amount. <laughs> so that was that was nice. Having the one fight we've had so far. I took a lot more damage, though, so I don't know if that's a, a trade-off in the system, that you just take more damage, or if that was just a particularly difficult fight that you put us in there. Right. Right. Uh, was that on the Shambler? Yes. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I might have messed up a little bit on that. Um, but no, so I, I like what they did. They basically said, wow, first levels are really dangerous, and as you're this brave hero... You're an, you stand up above everybody else and you become an adventurer and then a goblin one-shots you and you fall down dead. <laughs> that was and, scary. <laughs> actually, that's my very first thing, time that I ever played with my little brother. He made this ranger. He was so pumped. We popped out of the woods. We saw goblins. The goblins turned, shot him, crit, and, and KO'd him in the first hit. Oh, no. Yeah, so he yeah, was like, "That's rough." Yeah, he's like, "Dang it, yeah, this game's thing." Yeah. Did he write Junior next to his name on there? I was like, "I've come to avenge my father." Luckily, he didn't die, die outright, but he definitely went down on his first opening attack uh, cycle. So, I understand they gave him more health to give you a little bit more wiggle room, especially at the start. And I think eventually it might balance out a little bit more, but it's a lot less. Um, deadly at the beginning, although you guys did drop quite a bit, I think, when when we did play. So oh, yeah. it's still, I think, pretty deadly um, system. And that, so that kind of leads, you know, about the death and dying system. Uh, the major thing about thanks, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so starting yeah, that okay. over again. 
So, so the death and dying system. What D and D has had problems with in the past, and you'll see it on forums, is they call it popcorn healing, and they basically mean there is no penalty for being KO'd. If you get KO'd, the cleric can heal you back up, and you can go on your way. And, and, and you can fight, really, everybody can fight at one HP. And the cleric or the paladin can just use one charge of their lay on hands and bring you back up to one HP and you can keep fighting. Whereas in this, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which I'm sure the dying rules will get tweaked a little bit, but right now there's a dying and a wounded mechanic. So if you go down to dying and come back, you're going to be wounded. And if you go back to dying, your wounded adds to your dying and you could potentially be dead for good. So I think that adds a little bit more uh, nervousness to combat, a little bit more uh, excitement, and a lot more emphasis on healing. I think keeping them up um, is more important than uh, just letting them go down like in Pathfinder and then bringing them back to 1 HP. Sure. Yeah, Chad actually went into the dying condition. I went down so <laughs> in fast in our boss fight. <laughs> and in Dungeons and Dragons when we were playing, yeah, I would often prioritize who I'm giving the healing spells to, but I knew that I had to dump a lot of my healing spells into Chad because if he got knocked down again, which is very got, likely, yes. he'd, he'd be oh, gone, gone. That's right, because so, I think he got up to wounded too. Oh, I mean, I died. Yeah. I, well, no, not died. Dying. There's a big difference. Right. Uh, I was knocked out, and then... So you got to dying. I, I went to dying too. And then this is I a crit. think you brought me back with your healing. Yeah, I got knocked out again, dying three. Yep. Uh, which you use any inspiration? I okay. used a uh, hero, my hero point. Hero point. Hero point yeah. yeah. So inspiration points from D and D convert to hero points in Pathfinder. Right. Which we might get into that another time. Yeah. But but um, I think their best use is how you used it. It it brought me back from. Dying three to I think one health point yep. alive <laughs> and back. And did it? Uh, doesn't the hero point clear your dying condition too? Did it yes, clear dying it and wounded? Cleared dying and wounded, so I was no longer any of that. Which, if you're wounded, if you go back into dying, all that those wounded points go back to dying points plus your new dying point. Right. <laughs> so if you're wounded three and you go into dying, you're then dying four and you're dead. Yes. You're dead, dead. You're yeah. dead. You're not coming back. Don't even try it. You're freaking dead. Especially so. at level. Well, good luck <laughs> resurrecting each other. So, so yeah. Uh, popcorn healing, gone, I think, in this edition. Um, and the dying mechanic itself, a lot more uh, to it, and a lot more, I think, deadly. So it's a lot more emphasis on, sorry, cleric and paladin, uh, keeping you guys healed back up and, and and going. So, I do like that. I should probably prioritize some more healing. <laughs> Instead That's of just what you going, got yeah, I've got plenty. <laughs> just keep... We did run out, but I've got plenty. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, this is something we didn't get into in our, in our current sessions. And I don't know if you guys have had really much time to look at it, but the downtime activities... That's really interesting to me, and I'm I'm waiting to get to try some of that. Yeah. We haven't had downtime yet. Well, yeah. exactly, and that's probably me as a GM. We've been so go, 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 uh -huh. and having stuff happening on time crunches, you really haven't had, oh, let's use a week of downtime and go do something. Well, you know, we've been, our, our first 
playthrough of Pathfinder, mm-hmm. we started halfway through a basically haunted house. Yep. So there's no real sleeping or downtime or anything <laughs> in a haunted house because no. it's haunted. Yeah. Get the heck out of there. Um, but you guys did. Yeah, we we survived barely. Just very about. barely. <laughs> there was almost a sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> it was me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's something I'm hoping that we get into more on our on our uh, live play stream podcast here is is actually using downtime for certain purposes and i think the the neat one would be crafting you guys can upgrade your own weapons mm-hmm. uh you guys can find information around town uh, my only concern from the downtime and i think this could go with 5e as well so i don't really think there's a system issue is when do you role play it or play it at the table versus when do you just skip it and say okay what are you doing for your downtime activity um, well, I mean, if I'm gonna be sitting there blacksmithing, making like twenty ingots, I don't just. Ding, 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 ding. I clink. I, I want clink, to role play that at the table. No, just no, no, no. No, you're right. But there is one of the downtime activities is going around town gathering information, and that I think you could actually probably have some interesting role play aspect of that um, versus just hand waving and saying, "Okay, you found out this information." Uh, the downtime activity for investigating uh, townsfolk and talking to people and so forth, I think it's going to become kind of GM territory of do you just hand wave and say, oh, it's downtime versus do you actually role play it out? And maybe that's how much story based that discussion part is. Um, so kind of leery about that, but I do like the downtime activities that has been uh, given in the book so far, and I'm sure they'll have new books that come out and say, oh, here's some new downtime activities that you can do, maybe magical, um, you know, I think there's already rituals, but, you know, different magical rituals you can do and so forth, so. Um, I, I mean, think in the past we've actually had a whole episode in D&D, D&D a whole session of downtime where we kind of went around town, we checked in on a prisoner of ours, right? Jim's mom, uh, and <laughs> Good old Jim's bomb. We'll get into that later. Yeah, uh, and we'll do a story yeah. recap for you guys, so you have an inkling of what's going on. Uh, but we talked to the hopeful new mayor of the town. So we boring. talked uh, to one of our characters' brothers, sort of. No, we got a message from one of our characters' mm-hmm. brothers about how he wants to kill us all. Knife on the door. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I think if you're going to do things like that, I think especially when the town is going to be an important character in your adventure, I think it's important to probably play it out and not use just a hand wave downtime mechanic. Um, but then if you're going to be having nothing story-based, that's when you would maybe use that part of it. I mean, I think we're all looking forward to role-playing 10 hours of blacksmithing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, am now. I, I want to watch him roll experience. dice for 10 hours straight. Yeah. I failed and have him to critically put the in the water. <laughs> and have him critically fail at the very last one. Yeah. And be like, "All right, your day is wasted." The very last the one. Yes. I'm gonna critical fail <laughs> every single one. My hands are gonna be singed. <laughs> Why true. did you put your hands into the fire instead of the sword? <laughs> I don't know. It just dropped. I didn't want to bother with going back to pick it up. So just <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have like a negative five on all your checks going forward. Yeah. You have no hands anymore, or they're extremely burnt. <laughs> So. No, I can make myself robotic hands. <laughs> Critical fits. Yep, there you go. Back to nothing. They are again. brought goblin and made quality. 
Speaking of, there is poor quality items. Is there? Yeah. So I was going to actually have you guys find some items and you'd be like, oh, these are awesome. And then they're actually poor quality. And I think the rule for that is they take a negative two on whatever they are. So if it was armor, if they're negative two worse than what they should be. Same with weapons and so forth. So and are, are we as characters able to see that they are poor quality? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think you guys would be able to think And they'd probably look like dent as heck. Yeah. It's going to be like a busted yeah. goblin bent sword type of thing. You're going to be like, oh, that looks like crap. But Maybe it was a great sword, but it's broken in half. So now it's kind of like a short sword, yep. but weird. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, you know, going through a lot of the the different options here, the pros for Pathfinder over D&D and why we're giving this a try, I think we'll get into a lot of the same topics later, but maybe a little bit more in depth. But I think that is probably the, the gist of it. Is there anything else major that you guys can think of that I'm missing of what would draw somebody to this system versus just not wanting to play D&D? Um, we've talked about it before, but, um, I think one of the things we really liked in our last session was the teamwork aspect. I mean, my character had a new feature where he could kind of protect Your people. Your reaction. Gee, yeah. And maybe I freaking used that, that too much. <laughs> it was yes. great. Was As a GM, you screwed my plans many times, which is awesome. <laughs> I think I he saved you. He kind of saved me yeah. from lots of damage. Yeah, probably at least. 15 or 20 damage. It basically lets me protect someone within 15 feet so long as I can see them and the enemy within 15 feet. Right. And I think I we're, we're talking about the lawful good paladin, mm-hmm. the retributive, retributive strike. strike. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It lets me like protect them from, I think, five points of damage. It gives them basically a, a five resistance to all. For a whole turn. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, that's, that's quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I think it saved you, Ian, a few times from taking some nasty damage. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and I agree with what you said. I think there was a lot more teamwork. You guys were really good about trying to buff each other up, give yourself a plus AC. You're trying to give yourself, sorry. I just thought of, Ian, remember when you used your spell and you were so happy with it and it ended up just making the guy... Flat-footed? Oh. oh, no. So I didn't read that uh, one of my cantrips, and its name is eluding me, Chill Touch, I was using. On an undead, I forgot right? to read the second half of it until I was midway through casting it, and essentially it does nothing to undead creatures. So yeah. they were already... Uh, they were already they flat-footed, already I think, because you guys had them flanked. We had them flanked, yeah. and... So I applied that to them for a second time and did nothing, <laughs> did no damage, and completely wasted my action. But yeah, sorry, sorry for that. I just laughs. remember that was that was pretty fun. Um, you guys might be able to hear that sometime uh, when we get that so uploaded. Read your spells, people. That, yes. that episode is probably going to be more of a blooper episode because, <laughs> man, we were figuring that the system out of that session. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to carve some of that out where we talk about the, the specifics to kind of hear what a typical 5e conversion group would ask about mm-hmm. in this new system. But we don't want to start you guys users in the middle of a haunted house on Halloween 
uh, trying to figure out where the heck and what the heck our guys are doing. So uh, you will hear it, but it may be carved up just a little bit. Uh, so instead, next week we're going to start just outside the haunted house <laughs> and in a spooky, spooky plane of existence. Totally better starting Much point. better. I can't yeah. think of a better way to start a podcast, so... Um, that's the plan, at least. I mean, I do actually think it's better because two of our characters were possessed in the last episode. So we were acting much different than we... Well, I was acting much different than I usually would. I was about to say, did anybody notice that Kazakh was <laughs> no. uh, possessed and he became a little bit more bossy? I don't think anybody... He was supposed to be super bossy. He was already kind of... Um, I'm usually pretty like, let's go kill that thing. All right, let's go. Instead, I was screaming and like running from my own shadow. Yeah, I think and everybody they figured else is that like, out. Nobody really seemed to notice <laughs> that there was anything wrong with me. Yeah, they're all like, well, let's just uh, keep going I and he'll catch up. Yeah, drag him alone. Like, oh, our friends are possessed. Well, let's keep moving to the next room it's and look fine. for them. In fact, I think I did physically bully two of them down the staircase at some point <laughs> because it was taking so long. You're like, let's go. <laughs> Got places to be. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think, so overall, I think um, that's the highlights of, of the Pathfinder 2nd Edition. There's a lot more to come when the real edition comes out. And there's a lot more in the book we haven't even covered yet. And we'll focus more in uh, future episodes. Uh, but we're going to switch topics over here to uh, our Tangent of the Week. And this is going to be a very quick section. And this is something that other, some really good D&D YouTubers have talked about lately. Um, and that is role-playing versus role-playing. And I'm making a motion with my hand that you guys can see We know can't you can't right see now. this. Yeah. <laughs> We're so sorry. It was amazing. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was a really good role. Um, Natural 20s or whatever. 20s everywhere. But, so what that means is there's a lot of people that are turning, uh, especially 5e, live plays into role-playing games where you become the character, but they're not using the actual game specifics of rolling the dice, and, and they're going more off a story base, which mm -hmm. from a standpoint of watching somebody may be the right call. I mean, that may be more fun if it hits a story high. Mm -hmm. But as far as actually playing a game, uh, if you're not rolling the dice and following the rules of the game that I think you're almost playing make-believe. Uh, if you have nothing to bound your team together into specific rules, then you might you're as well telling, just go ahead and make your up your own system. You're, yeah, you're playing improv. Mm -hmm. And so I think keeping a good balance between role-playing and rolling dice playing is, is something a good group can, can figure out. And I think it's something also the GM can help steer as well because the rules are going to come down to the to the gm basically and there's nothing wrong with imagination play i mean but if that's what you want to do go larp live action role play yeah it's out go there go dress up play it's, in the parks it's fun you actually get to attack people with foam swords yeah that's not bad sounds amazing i want to do it but at the same time <laughs> this is also quite enjoyable and you don't get bruised <laughs> <laughs> well, unless well, like Ian gets uh, really mad at me and throws something across the table, he can throw a yeah. dice and hit those. So vicious. Those dice do do bounce. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, I think a few of the features of the Pathfinder game actually help in that aspect. So I believe there was search and uh, what are some of the other seeking, seeking and, and aiding yeah. and 
So I, I think that kind of helped speed up some of those areas where you're not going into every single room and having to roll to look for things and you can actually just find things as you go. Right. To, at first in Dungeons and Dragons, we'd often have five people rolling to check every <laughs> single corner and nook and cranny of the room yeah. and it would waste 20 minutes yeah. just on we walk into room a everybody yeah. roll perception we walk into room b everybody roll perception we yeah. you know it's just repetitive we're in this one um something i guess we didn't talk about mode uh, talk about but exploration mode is where you're kind of exploring dungeons or moving around town and you can kind of set yourself as doing something either i'm defending people i have my weapons out ready to go or I am currently seeking or searching. You can set yourself as seeking, and you can actually, um, that's going to be another GM roll. It's basically a GM secret perception check roll. And uh, the GM can kind of do it as you guys move around, because he knows you're seeking. He knows you're perceiving, so you don't have to walk into every room and say, I'm looking around. He just It's just done. So... I do agree that's uh, interesting. Well, my character will kind of speed that up anyway, because I'm just going to go on defending and go right ahead and run into all the traps. Trigger them all. Flamethrower hits my hair. <laughs> Singed. Cool. Arrow in my chest. Cool. Ow. And just keep going. I mean, you you know, get, while everybody else behind Ian. me looking for traps. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I wanted to have a portion of this podcast just called the praise paizo corner and i think there's a lot of negativity out there uh, especially with some old time uh rpgers you can get set in your ways and i like to talk about what paizo i think is doing right and what they're doing correct and give them some credit and so one of those things is i feel that their community interaction with this second edition play test has been really really well done uh, other people may not agree because they're not listening to your individual suggestions, but they have done uh, multiple surveys asking people what they think of certain things. They have tested different systems. They have redone the death and dying system multiple times because of player input. They've been posting on forums. They've been releasing a video on Every Friday, they have a blog that they update. So I think they've been doing their due diligence of reaching out and, and talking with the community, and and I want to make sure they get credit for that. Yeah, good I job. Agree. Good Yay, job, Paizo. <laughs> so another section is, it'd just be fun to talk about some fun incidents from local games. I think we've kind of done that throughout this session. But there is one incident that really hits home to me that I don't like to talk about. <laughs> and that is my fighter was killed by a gluttonous cube. He was burned alive, stuck inside of a cube of acid. And as he died, his allies tried to resurrect him. And he would come back to life only to suffocate on the next turn. Because he's still inside. Because he's still inside. And this was in 5e, mind you. Not Pathfinder playtest. But the same things could happen, I think, in both. Wasn't there actually three gelatinous cubes? Yeah. In the same room? They yeah. all dropped down like pretty close to each other. That's actually true. And one I... just happened to drop down like right on you. Right on me. And then the me. other one blocked the room. Yeah. And I couldn't get out. 
and all my allies sat in the back and they were casting and they kept healing. I think they brought me back like three times and I just kept dying. And then I kept critically failing my saving throw and my fighter died to acid. Now he is currently uh, brought back to life. They went on a big epic quest. I don't know. I wasn't a part of it. <laughs> brought me back and um, he's now going through seven stages of grief. I think there's seven. But uh, And um, he's currently on the anger phase, wanting to kill and murder a lot of things, which for a... Especially gelatinous cubes. Especially cubes, yep. And uh, for a lawful good party, mainly, it's been proving some difficulty, but it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. So use death as a fun mechanic. But this discussion actually brings up an important point uh, for whenever you're playing in a game. Try to never split up your party. <laughs> I was two steps away from it. But yes, you you're ran right. ahead of the I saw, I saw loot. And then got jumped by a gelatinous cube. If your whole party was in that room, it might have been a, yeah. a complete wipeout might have had at the same time. Well, you might yeah, have had yeah. a chance. Maybe I saved the whole party. Maybe I doubt it. <laughs> Probably Saved them by dying. Probably not. And that also kind of leads to, do you guys remember what happened in our game... In our first dungeon, when yeah. you guys split the party, oh, that was terrible. Yeah, Jim, uh, Jim the monk. Yeah, he he saw a hole that we all saw. We 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 actually managed our ranger managed to tame a group of wolves right in the first area of our dungeon, and Jim, uh, he saw a hole leading up into the ceiling, right. and he was like. Oh, I gotta climb that, and so he and just started and jumping. And the only agile member. Yeah. Yeah. We're here in armor, saying no way. Yeah. <laughs> Typical so, monk has to go yeah. jump around. He got to the top of this hole, and once he was there, he found like three goblins and all the around boss. the chest. Well, I don't think the boss is there right then, but That's he right. like went in to sneak, start checking it out, and then the boss came in with a giant freaking alpha wolf. Yeah. And he was like, oh my god, I can't do anything now. I'm going to die. Because <laughs> if he ran for the hole, his best option would be to just jump down the hole and take a bunch of fall damage. Yep. Um, and the rest of us were like, okay, we can't do anything. So let's move on. So let's the explore the rest of the dungeon. Uh, we so, set off yeah. a trap with a flood of water. Uh, we ran into a Which group of dodged. other goblins. Uh, we met some jerk goblin in there who was threatening a new NPC. Uh, and and you guys Jim was oh, off fighting God. four people on his own. <laughs> he, got he dropped to one health, I believe, before yeah. he no he made a made daring a miraculous escape. jump down the thing and yep. saved himself. He barely survived, got to us, and then we were all like, "All right, let's leave him as bait for the rest of the enemies." <laughs> Ran to a dark, safe corner and was like. <laughs> and then made the hardest fight in my GM history oh of my running two separate encounters <laughs> as you pulled the entire dungeon, and oh. I had two different fights going on at the same time. It was beautiful. It was great. <laughs> it was nice. But yet, yeah. somehow you guys win without even me fudging in your favor. So that's impressive. Or really fun. lucky. We did. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that is our, our fun incident from the local game section. Uh, so next up, we have fan questions. And considering this is episode one, we don't have any questions. But I'm a fan. I no, I don't have any questions. Though. You don't have any questions. Okay. <laughs> well, there was some questions posted on Reddit that got some attention that I wanted to talk about. And that was class and monster DCs. 
What are they? Now, class DCs are easy. It's right there on your character sheet. It's your main ability score plus 10 plus level, I believe, and that's just your class DC. But in the uh, bestiary, it mentions a whole bunch of times versus the enemy's athletics check or athletic DC. And so people were going, what does that mean? And it's actually simple. It just means 10 plus that skill. So if you have a monster with an athletics of plus 4, their monster DC for athletics would be 14. 10 plus 4. So um, you you are going to use that. It's going to be more GM is going to be using that, but that's going to be used in your critical fails. It's going to be used in your critical successes of whatever number you're trying to trying to hit. And that sort of interaction kind of determines like, hey, do you take full damage from this certain spell or you take half damage sort of thing or miss right. it entirely? Right. Um, Which is something new. Do you get to actually finish climbing that hole to stalk your enemies <laughs> or do you trip and fall on the surface and smack your face on the on a wolf? Right. You know? Uh, who knows? Right. But that's what those determine for you along with your GM. Yeah. So that's that's um, an interesting mechanic to have, and they kind of have that in 5e with your passive perception. It's kind of like your perception DC, um, but they, they kind of use that a lot in this edition. So, basically, I, I think that's the entire episode. Is there anything else you guys can uh, think of that we missed today that we want to talk about in episode one? Nope. No. <laughs> Wow, okay. Well, <laughs> next week, we are going to release our second episode, hopefully. And we're going to talk about more new gameplay features of Pathfinder 2. And it's going to be coming from a background, as you guys may have noticed today, not just from Pathfinder, but from actual D&D 5e background. So this is going to be how to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition from a bunch of D&D 5e players. Uh, but don't worry, previous Pathfinder players, we got you covered as well. So, like always, contact us on social media. You can email us at DysonSlicePodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on Facebook at slash DysonSlicePodcast. Or you can tweet us on the interwebs on that Tweety thing uh, called uh, Twitter. The at, bird. Yeah, it's the Tweety Bird. At DysonSlice1. And uh, so, special thanks to bensound.com for their royalty-free music. Thank thanks you, Bensound. To, you're awesome. <laughs> thanks to Paizo for making Pathfinder. Thank and, you, Paizo. And for publishing the rules online for free. Thank you. My wallet thanks you. My wife thanks you. And special thanks to Wizards of the Coast for making D&D and letting us reference D&D and pretty much everything we talk about here in Pathfinder. And uh, special thanks to you guys, the fans that support us, and for taking the time to listen to Dyson Slice. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>